Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. So far in our study of the life of Paul, we have seen uh, the early life of Saul as he was raised in Judaism, devout and zealous for the law, uh, which we find in the Old Testament. We saw his conversion on the road to Damascus and how dramatically that changed his life. And we saw his early ministry in Damascus, Jerusalem, the city of Tarsus in Cilicia, and then finally in Antioch. Most recently, we saw him with Barnabas taking a trip from Antioch with a financial gift to bless the church in the city of Jerusalem and the events that occurred while they were there in the life of Peter being imprisoned and then ultimately rescued by God through an angel and allowed to escape from the clutches of Herod, who then later met his death in the city of Caesarea. Now, we're going to take a look at the beginnings of the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul, and in today's account, we are going to see a very important incident that led Luke to change the way he talked about this individual. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 13 and verses 1 through 12 as we begin. Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. 
Our Father in heaven, as we study these verses today, we pray that you would, by your Spirit, apply them to our lives and to our heart, that we would be encouraged by the things that we hear and that we see in your word. We thank you for the life of Paul and for how it encourages us to be bold in our witness and testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his great name we pray. Amen. So in the first three verses of chapter 13, Barnabas and Saul are commended to the Lord's work. The church at Antioch consisted of both prophets and teachers who helped the church function and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Barnabas is named here first. Simeon, who is called Niger, uh, which means the black one or the dark one, most likely referring to his skin complexion. Uh, probably he's an African. Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who is a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So you have in this one small group of people, people from all different areas and walks of life. This shows the beauty of the gospel in uh, bringing in people of all different shapes and sizes, ethnicities, uh, social statuses, the gospel is the great unifying factor or leveler. Everyone is leveled before the foot of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one has uh, any merit really to boast on their own accord. Saul would later say that, you know, if anyone had reason to boast, it would be him with his Jewish background and all of the studies that he did. Uh, but he considered all of that worthless in light of his pursuit of Jesus Christ. That's recorded for us in Philippians chapter 3. So the church is uh, very diverse in Antioch, as there are a lot of people coming in from different areas and everybody hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and putting their faith and confidence in him. As the church in Antioch is worshiping and fasting together, the Holy Spirit says to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Now, the specific way that the Spirit communicated this is not given. It could have been through supernatural revelation by prophecy, and maybe verse 1, which talks about prophets and teachers, sort of implies this. So there could have been prophets that prophesied, yeah, Barnabas and Saul, the Holy Spirit is calling you for a special work. Perhaps it could have been through a unified desire among the group at Antioch to send out workers, and Barnabas and Saul were the ones who were willing and eager to go. Either way, after the church fasts and prays, they lay hands on Barnabas and Saul, showing their identification with these two individuals. It's really a beautiful uh, symbolic act that the church is showing, even though they're going out to some other place, they're still part of the church at Antioch. They are an extension of the work that's going on at the church in Antioch. 
And so they send them off on what will become their first missionary journey. Now in verses 4 through 6, they are traveling here. They go down from Antioch, which is off the Mediterranean coast a little ways, down to Seleucia, a port city, and they presumably find a vessel that they can secure there, and they sail across the Mediterranean Sea to the island of Cyprus, where we already know Barnabas is from. Acts chapter 4 and verse 36 tells us that Barnabas uh, was from there originally. They arrive at the city of Salamis, which is on the eastern side of the island, and then presumably travel all throughout the island, proclaiming the word of God in the synagogues in the Jews of the Jews uh, in these different cities and territories. Their ministry seems to be directed primarily toward Jews, maybe even exclusively at this time. Uh, this kind of gives us what will become the pattern that Paul will use in his ministry of taking the gospel when he goes to a new place to the Jews first. And then uh, once they reject or whoever believes among the Jewish individuals, he will then take the gospel of Jesus to the Gentiles. So while they are going and they're proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues of the Jews in these various cities all throughout the island, they're traveling from the eastern side to the western side, and John, who this is John Mark, is helping them, assisting them in practical matters of, you know, maybe getting food, uh, pitching their tents, helping them set up camp, helping them take down. Uh, eventually, they make it through the island to the western side and to what would have been the capital city of Paphos. This is the seat of the Roman uh, governor, the Roman authority on the island of Cyprus. Now, in verse 6, we encounter some opposition to the gospel by a man named Bar-Jesus or Elymas. He's given two different names here. This magician was a Jewish false prophet. So this false prophet has somehow uh, caught the ear of the Roman proconsul, Sergius Paulus, who is called an intelligent man, and he has actually called for Barnabas and Saul to come to him to hear the word of God proclaimed. I think this is, it's reasonable to conclude that Saul and Barnabas are having something of a successful ministry if the proconsul, the Roman proconsul, hears about this and wants to have them come so that they can uh, present their word, their message before him. It seems as though this Sergius Paulus was a genuine seeker of the truth. He wanted to hear what they had to say. However, uh, Bar-Jesus, also called Elymas, whose name means the sorcerer, so he, he's called the sorcerer, uh, opposed Barnabas and Saul and was trying to turn the proconsul away from the faith. He didn't want the man to believe, probably because that would have huge ramifications all across the island of Cyprus. If you've got someone who's really in a position of authority coming to faith in Christ, that speaks volumes in the area in which that uh, governor or leader has authority. 
So this demonstrates on behalf of Bar-Jesus that he's acting under the influence, whether knowingly or not, of his father, the devil. And Saul, uh, Paul will specifically call him out on that in just a few moments. Now, in verses 9 through 11, we have a very defining moment in the life of the apostle. Saul is now, for the first time, called Paul by Luke. And Luke is not going to revert to calling him Saul again after this. Prior to Acts 13 and verse 9, he's referred to as Saul. Saul is his Hebrew name. It's as if he has a mainly Jewish ministry up until this point. But because of this uh, specific incident, this very important and defining moment, Luke is going to call him Paul, his more Roman name or Gentile name that would have been used properly in the Hellenistic and Roman world. And so he's not going to go back to his Hebrew name after this. I think this is meant by Luke to show from this point out, uh, Paul's ministry is going to be directed mainly toward the Gentiles. Now, he will take the gospel to the Jews first, but he always has in his mind to proclaim it to the Gentiles as well. The significance of this moment should not be underestimated. This is the first time that the apostle is going to do something miraculous by the Spirit of God, and this sign that he will perform serves to verify his apostleship his calling, and his mission to the Gentiles. So he's filled with the Holy Spirit here. This is something that was said of him at the time of his conversion by Ananias in his prayer, and now it's said here again. I think this implies that the filling of the Spirit is something separate from the initial and permanent indwelling of the Spirit in God's people. And Paul will later encourage his audience when he writes his letter to the Ephesians, to be filled with the Spirit. So it's something that uh, can happen within the Christian life. It can be something that happens over and over again. Here it seems he's filled with the Spirit to do something miraculous. Paul looks directly and intently at Elymas and calls him a son of the devil, an enemy of righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, and one who makes crooked the straight paths of the Lord. Paul prophesies that Elymas will be blinded and unable to see the sun, and immediately what he predicts comes to pass, and he needs people to lead him by the hand. This interestingly parallels Saul's own conversion. Now, the result is that the proconsul sees this miracle and he believes he's astonished at the teaching of the Lord. And so, the gospel word or message is what contains the necessary elements of salvation, making Jesus known to us as the Christ and Son of God who came to take away our sins. The proconsul believes this and this is the beginning of Paul's ministry toward the Gentiles. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu.